0: Good morning GCC, good to see you guys this morning, isn't it wonderful to live in a free country? We need to be grateful that we do and um, grateful for the freedoms that we enjoy still, the freedom of religion, the freedom to gather together for us and worship the Lord Jesus Christ together and we have men and women to thank for that. Men and women who, um, some of them literally giving their lives um, for freedom. And uh, I fear that some of that appreciation is going by the wayside. And it's unfortunate because the Lord calls on believers to be thankful. One of the things that we need to be thankful for are the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States of America. And be thankful for the men and women who serve in our military, uh, the men and women who, who serve in law enforcement, and uh, thankful that we have people willing to do that. Imagine if we didn't. So um, I believe we should be thankful people, and if you're not quite there, I encourage you to get there because that's what the Lord would have us to do is be thankful people, and ultimately the freedom that we enjoy comes from him comes from him so i just want to make those few comments this morning before we begin our scripture reading i have selected a different passage this morning Uh, we've been reading through the book of philippians but we live under grace not law so it allows us to turn where the spirit leads imagine that so we're going to turn to psalm 29 this morning and we're going to read it together if you would just stand as i read and well, verses 10 and 11 are where I landed. I've been reading through Psalms, I hope you have too, and it takes me a little longer because I read and I camp a little bit, and then I read and I camp a little bit. And so I'm reading through, especially 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, and I come to 29 this week and I'm like, wow, this is good stuff, and I need to share this good stuff with the believers here at Grace. The word "ascribe" means to attribute. So, just in case that you have that in your translation, verse one, Psalm twenty-nine: Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty; ascribe to the Lord glory and strength; ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Wow. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. One day the Lord is going to shake this world. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve, And strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. Because the center of attention is the Lord. Verse 10, look at this. The Lord sat as king at the flood. In other words, he was in control. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. By the way, nobody puts him there. He's there because he is the ruler of the world the lord will give strength to his people the lord will bless his people with peace isn't it wonderful to know that even in the midst of chaos like the flood the lord is in control in the midst of chaos that's happening in our present world The Lord is in control. And one day, our Lord, and we'll come with him in this, when we come back to earth with our Lord the second time, and he rules as king of kings and lord of lords, my friends, every voice will hear him. And do you know what? Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the praise of his glory every knee without exception talk about power, that's power every knee will bow and you know those of us who are believers in Christ if you wonder what you're going to do when you see the Lord what's to wonder? you're going to bow because he is Lord and you want to bow but every knee that has ever been will bow the knee to the Lord. Period. Isn't that good? And that doesn't come from me, it comes from the Word of God. And so in the midst of chaos, you know what the Lord offers his people? Peace. Peace. And he gives it like no other. So in the midst of a different kind of world we're living in today, we can trust that he is on the throne and that he offers the peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, indeed, you are on the throne. And indeed, as your word says, every knee will bow. From everywhere. We'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Man is bowing today to images created in their own minds. One day, we will all bow to you. Lord, I pray that we are, as believers, bowing the knee every day in submission and surrender to you. I thank you we don't have to try in our own strength to do that, but that you have given us your spirit that leads us into all the truth. So while the world is speaking in our ears non truth, help us to remain faithful. To stand on the truth of your word and to speak the truth when you give us opportunity and help us, as Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the country that you've given us to live in where we still enjoy the freedom to meet together. Help us never to take that for granted. And Lord, I pray for our country that people would begin to bow the knee now and to confess that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord. May we honor you in what we do and what we say today. In the name of Christ, amen.
1: And guys, you can remain standing. Um, I trust everyone had a good fourth celebrating our freedoms, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't recognize that there's a lot of negative news out there uh, in our culture today that can be discouraging. And so our prayer today for our worship is uh, that we be encouraged. So keep that in mind as we sing through these songs. We're gonna start off by singing about the, about the fact that God is able. We're gonna sing the fact that We serve the King of Kings, and the church won't won't fail. We're going to sing about that he's a good God. So think about the fact that we want to be encouraged together. It's always uplifting to be able to sing together, um, but particularly the words to these songs, we want to be encouraged this morning together. So y'all sing with us.
2: the failures lifted up, defeated the grave, raised to
3: To these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God hasn't chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
4: In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy. Stone!
2: sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope, no place to begin, your love made a way to let mercy come in, when death was arrested. was redeemed, only beauty remains, my orphan heart was given a name, my morning grew quiet, my feet rose to death, when death was arrested. a prisoner no more, my shame was a ransom for you. Rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus rose with our freedom in hand That's when death was arrested Mercy never fails me. All oh, my days I've been held in your hand. The moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, I will see other good. Let's run it up. out it
0: We are truly blessed at Grace to have so many talented musicians and singers. I hope you appreciate them. I know I do, and their tireless um, work to be prepared for Sundays is certainly appreciated, I know, by myself and the staff, and um, we appreciate Ron and his leadership, over all the different teams that have uh, now in these times been uh, reduced to these praise teams. I know the choir probably misses very much the ministry that they have. And it is a ministry, and we appreciate all of them that uh, participate in the music ministry here at Grace. We never need to take that for granted. Um, the Lord wouldn't want us to, and so we should not wanted to say um, to all of you and to those who may be watching uh, today that for me to be able to stand up on Sundays and declare the truth of God's word is indeed a privilege. I don't take it lightly, I take it very seriously. It's something that I love to do. Not because I love to stand up here so much, but I love the Lord, and I love his gospel, I love his word, and I love you. So whether you're watching or at home or you're sitting in here today, I hope you understand that there are times when you're teaching and preaching when it is difficult for you to hear what's being said But I don't apologize for that, and the reason that I don't is because the Lord has already had to deal with me. There are painful moments during the week in which the Lord reminds me that I am just but a tool, and it's Him and His Word where the power comes from. Having said that, I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to 2 Timothy in the second chapter as we continue our study. We come to a portion of the text in which Paul illustrates for his protege the point of endurance in the Christian life and how that looks. How are you and I going to endure suffering, which is inevitable, how do we endure the Christian life to the end? So that we are not like Phygellus and Hermogenes, in which Paul referred to in chapter 1, who got off the trail. And it's easy to do. You might even be sitting here today and you're off the trail. That can happen when a Christian gets off the trail and is not enduring it's important that you and i have the mindset of enduring to the end persevering to the end some in the scriptures did not finish well as you know that belonged to the lord solomon was one of those he did not endure to the end but certainly he knew the lord there are examples here in second timothy of men who knew the lord but not did not endure to the end Make no mistake that God expects from his soldiers endurance to the end. And so he paints three pictures for Timothy. That Timothy might understand just how difficult it would be to endure. With that said, are you a soldier of Jesus Christ? That is a question that deserves and demands your attention. Not are you a Christian, but are you a soldier of Christ Jesus? I think when we finish today, you will have at least said, wow, there's a lot more to this soldier piece than I thought. During the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln often expressed appreciation to individual soldiers, officers, and units for their military service. There are many examples that you could go to, but I would cite one. One that Abraham Lincoln testified of. On March 18, 1864, Abraham Lincoln offered these words... Ladies and gentlemen, I appear to say but a word. This extraordinary war in which we are engaged falls heavily upon all the people, but the most heavily upon the soldier. For it has been said that all that a man hath will he give for his life. And while all contribute of their substance... The soldier puts his life at stake and often yields it up in his country's cause. How many Americans have given their lives literally so that you and I can sit here today and enjoy freedom? The list is long. He finishes his statement by saying the highest merit then is due to the soldier. And how appropriate it is that on this July 5th, one day after we celebrate our independence, we're here in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. I'm like, "Woo, God, you are in control. And I thought I would get through the three metaphors until I started studying. And I realized shortly that that was not going to happen. That indeed today we would focus our attention on a soldier. Christian soldier. I want to ask you a question I've already posed. Are you a Christian soldier? You need to think about that. You know why? Because I've had to think about that. And if it's me that is required to think about it, then you are required to think about it. Notice what Paul says in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, suffer or endure hardship the word hardship there is assumed (laughs) it's assumed that there will be hardship in the christian life timothy paul was experiencing that himself as he sat in that dungeon that cold dark dungeon chained to a roman soldier Wouldn't it have been great to be chained to the Apostle Paul? (laughs) So he tells Timothy, his protege, suffer or endure hardship with me. Now notice that me is italicized. That might not mean much to you, but it means a whole lot. Because it is just simply there inserted for readability. It is not in question that suffering is a part of the Christian life. It's not in question that it's hard. But the question becomes, right from the beginning, is Paul saying, suffer hardship with me? Or is he saying, suffer hardship with us? I think both would be appropriate. Because Onesiphorus suffered hardship in searching for Paul. And many theologians believed it even cost him his own life. But it could be also that me would fit as well because Paul is writing to the one that he wants to communicate to, hey, the Christian life is hard. How many of you would agree with that? This morning that the Christian life is hard. If you haven't experienced that yet, you will. Because when you stand for something that is against what is popular, you will be criticized. Hardship comes in many forms. For Paul, it was physical suffering as well as mental suffering or anguish. In the United States of America, we can't relate to so much of the physical suffering well, we certainly can relate to the mental, emotional anguish that we have. Suffer hardship, Paul says, with me or us. If you stand on the doctrines of Scripture, you will suffer hardship. If you say that there is only one way to God, you will suffer hardship. How many of you believe there's only one way to God? yes how many of you stand on the doctrine the doctrine of grace how many of you stand on the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ how many of you stand on the authority of Scripture how many of you stand on the deity of Christ if you stand in those position in that position with those issues, you will be ridiculed. And you know it. Because the popular gospel of today is everyone is going to end up in heaven. And the reality of it is, that's not true. Why? Because the Bible says. The road is wide that leads to destruction and how many are on that road? Many are on that road. Few are on the narrow road. So Paul tells Timothy, suffer or endure hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So he paints a picture here for Timothy and he says, listen, you're a soldier. That's what you are. You're a soldier. And you're a soldier of Christ Jesus. That word good there is the word kalos in the Greek and it means useful. I really like that. Term useful, so he's saying, Suffer hardship, endure hardship with me as a useful soldier of Christ Jesus. And by the way, this is not the first time he has talked about suffering, is it? You remember chapter one, He, he tells him something pretty radical join the team of suffering. Then in chapter four, verse five, he says, Endure hardship. You think Paul's trying to get something across to Timothy? Hey, buddy. Following Christ is difficult. Standing on the gospel is difficult. It is fraught with danger. Are you willing to stand? Are you willing to endure the hardship or the persecution or the ill treatment? Well, the first thing we need to do, that was just the introduction. The first thing that we need to do is define soldier. It's mentioned three times in two verses. So you're like, better understand it. If he's going to use the picture and paint the picture for Timothy that the Christian life is to be lived like a soldier with that kind of mentality, then we need to understand what a Roman soldier was. Paul certainly understood. The definition of soldier in the Greek means one who is engaged. In military service. That key phrase there is engaged. Key word. Engaged. A soldier is always involved or engaged. There are not moments off as a soldier. When you're at war, which we are at war spiritually, there are no moments off. The enemy is not taking time off. He's always engaged. We better be engaged. Wouldn't you say? If we're going to live and endure the persecution and suffering that comes with being a Christian, we have to understand that we are engaged in a battle. Paul understood what it was to be engaged in a battle. All you have to do is read his account in 2 Corinthians where he highlights all the physical persecution. And then he comes to end that section and he says, hey, look, I have the weight every day the pressure the weight of the churches why because he cared he cared we need christians this is just a commercial we need christians who care who care enough to tell the truth paul certainly would understand firsthand a roman soldier he was chained to one in his first imprisonment for two years And he's at the end of his life and chained to another soldier. I guarantee you those soldiers who were in the life of Paul heard the gospel. (laughs) They were very familiar with what Paul was doing. Wayne Barber in his commentary on Paul's picture of a Roman soldier wrote, When Claudius ordered Paul to go to Caesarea in Acts 23, listen to this, 200 soldiers... 200 spearmen and 70 horsemen from the Roman army would have been his escort. Let's just say this, Roman soldiers were serious about what they were doing. This description that I just gave you underscores for us the importance of dedication. The soldiers were dedicated. Roman soldiers were dedicated to the end so much so that they were willing to give up their lives for those that commanded them. I want you to listen to the description of a Roman soldier. What was it like for a Roman soldier? Well, upon entering the army, Roman soldiers took a solemn oath. They were never to desert their standard. Let me interrupt by saying this. If you're... Frantically writing, I'm sitting notes this week to you. I made a PowerPoint, but I thought I'll be here till five o'clock this afternoon going through it. So I will send you the notes. I'd rather you just listen. They were never to desert their standard. You say, What's the standard? The standard was a golden eagle. It was an object of fond affection and devotion that the Roman soldier had. So there was a mentality of never deserting. Oh, wow. Now, what's Paul doing? You see? I mean, listen, I want you, as I'm reading through this description, I want you to think about Paul writing from that dungeon, writing to his student, writing to his, his um, protege, and emphasizing, hey, look, this is what the Christian life is like. And Paul would have known the Roman soldier, and so would have Timothy. And so when you're reading through this list, you're like, whoa, as a Christian soldier, I should never desert. A Roman soldier was to submit their own will to the commands of the leaders. Uh Uh-oh. As a Christian soldier, what am I to do? Submit my will to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm to do. Because he's the commander-in-chief. Do you know as Roman soldiers, they were conditioned to loyalty. There's a term that's been lost in our culture. Loyalty. If you're going to be a soldier in any army, loyalty is way up the list. Loyalty. So I ask you, Are you loyal to Christ? As a Roman soldier, they were willing to sacrifice their own life for the safety of the emperor and the empire. Paul was about to sacrifice his own life for the cause of Christ. He was about to have his head chopped off by Nero. There's a price. You say, yeah, but we live in America. We don't have these things. Not yet. Are you listening to me? Not yet. I believe it's coming. Where there will be physical persecution for those of us who say and stand and say, I'm a soldier of Christ. You can see it. Freedoms are being stripped from us as we're sitting here. They had to be willing to sacrifice their own life. So a Christian soldier in turn needs to be what? Willing to sacrifice their own life for the cause of Christ. And how many people in church history sacrificed their life for Christ? The list is long. We'll start with the disciples, 11 of them, minus John. But John was thrown into a hot cauldron of oil. How does that sound? Not real good. Timothy was martyred. Paul was martyred. Ten of the disciples were martyred. All for Christ. All for the gospel. So I ask you, are you a soldier of Christ Jesus? You say, yeah. You willing to die? You say, Thad, right back at you. You willing to die? I hope so. I hope so. We like life, don't we? Let's be honest. We've been blessed. We enjoy life. But the question that Paul wants Timothy to consider here is, are you willing to endure hardship, even to the point of sacrificing your own life? Do you know one of the things about Roman soldiers as well is they were constantly training doesn't that sound fun? Constantly training, year-round, a matter of fact. So that means, well, what about the winter? Surely in the winter they took off. Wrong. Did you know they built sheds in order that their military would be able to do their exercises in those sheds to have some protection from the elements And do you know, even the oldest of the soldiers was required every day, twice a day, to do the exercises. We think exercise once a day is pretty good. How about twice a day? You know a great spiritual principle that comes from that? We're to be in training until Christ comes. Are you listening to me? You say, yeah, but I'm mature. Well, no. I think on this side of glory, none of us are ever going to arrive. Can I get an agreement on that? So we need to always be training and being in training. Because we need to know this book. Forwards and backwards and upside down. And listen to me. I'm quite certain that all of us have room to study. I know I do lastly the Roman soldier was often encouraged by his commanders those that were over him in fact one author put they were encouraged by their presence now think about it if you have the president of the United States showing up on the other side of the globe Standing in front of you and you're part of a regiment, is that not encouraging? Yeah, it is. Because what? Immediately you know what? He's in support of me. So they were often encouraged by their presence and their example. Leaders need to be examples. They were often encouraged by a personal instruction By the way, that's what leaders do. That's why leaders aren't liked. By the way, if you're a leader, don't expect to be liked. If you say, I want to be a leader, and you have to be liked, just forget it. Because there are going to be many that don't like you. And you have to be okay with that. (laughs) And then lastly, they were challenged to personal strength. So, as we look at this passage, there's a princi- three principles. And the first one comes from verses 3 and 4. And here's the principle. Suffering hardship or enduring hardship as a Christian soldier demands, and listen to this, demands unusual dedication with single-mindedness. Because that's the soldier. A soldier is dedicated. A Dedicated soldier is what the Lord is looking for in us. He wants us to be dedicated to Him. And notice I said not only dedication, but with single-mindedness. In fact, Paul addresses this in verse 4. It's one thing to be dedicated to something, but then when life kind of interrupts, sometimes it interrupts the dedication. So the question for us to consider really this morning comes from verse 4. Look what Paul says. He says, Endure hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. Why? So that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Okay, so a soldier then must be dedicated And we just read a host of examples of what that involved. But dedicated with a single mindedness. In other words, we can't get caught up or entangled in the affairs of life. How many of you live life? All of you live life. How many of you are entangled? Listen to this. The word entangle was used in the Gospels to describe the weaving together of the crown of thorns that was put on our Lord. That's interesting. In this one, we have to use our imagination. The word was also used in Paul's day to describe an athlete who was entangled in his garments in an inability... And so, creating an inability to run in order to win—that one's a little bit harder for us to imagine because our runners don't hardly wear a thing. But that's the picture of the word. have Have you ever done sack races? That's kind of my mentality of somebody getting caught up in a garment, right? You just can't get to where you're going really quick. You're entangled the question becomes for us to consider are we involved or entangled you're going to be involved in the world that's going to happen to you and to me we can't help it but the bible says to be what in it not of it and we have to keep our priority right See, and that's ultimately what paul is trying to get across to timothy as a soldier look You have to be dedicated, and you have to have a single-mindedness. And that single-mindedness, in the context of this passage, says this. As a dedicated soldier of Christ, I'm committed to the process of making disciples. Are you? Am I? See, Paul took this stuff serious. He certainly wouldn't be a very popular preacher and teacher today. Especially when he got to words like entanglement. So we have to consider this morning, are there things in this life that are entangling us? Boy, what a great question to ask in this day and time. Because I fear there are a lot of Christians entangled in the wrong things. Can I say that? I just said it. You know, interestingly, there's another picture here for us to consider, and it's my, I guess, favorite of the three. The word entangle was also used to describe sheep whose wool was caught in thorns. Well, listen to this. What does that mean for us, for Timothy? It means this. When the affairs of this life entangle us to the point we are not making disciples, there's a problem. It's like this. It's like Paul taking a hammer and taking a stake and just driving it into Timothy's brain. Hey, buddy, you be strong in the grace that's in Christ. You be committed to the process, and I am mandating. It's an imperative suffer hardship. He's driving it in his skull. This is what the Christian life looks like. You on board? Hard stuff, isn't it? Because we're not living back in that culture. We're not in a dungeon with Paul. We live a pretty carefree life, even in this time that we're going through. We have a lot of freedom. But we can't get caught up in the affairs of this life. And I'm seeing a lot of Christians getting caught up in things they don't need to get caught up in. You know what? If the Lord Jesus was here and preaching a message, he'd say, Hey, guys, I gave you one task. I didn't make it even complicated. In fact, you remember what I told my disciples? I said to them, You go make disciples. He didn't give them a 15 page dissertation. He just said, Go make disciples. And you know what? We're going to stand before the Lord one day and say, You make disciples. John's clear that we don't need to be entangled in the things of the world. Listen to what he wrote. Do not love the world or the things in the world. This one's hard. Okay. By the way, notice the way he starts that do not. He's not saying, well, if you feel like it, you know. If you want to think about it, he says, do not. It's a command. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. By the way, which all of us would say, it is easy to do that. It's easy to be entangled. John goes on to write, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father. Those things are not from the Father, so we have to distance ourselves from those things. That means whatever causes me to lust, i got to get rid of it. Whatever causes that pride to rise up in my life, i got to get rid of it. It's not from the Father. See, the Father has good stuff for us. That's the kind of Father we serve. He's a good, good Father. Then notice he goes on to write, listen to this. John says, the world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Guys, we know the end of the story. The next event on the calendar of the Lord is the rapture of the church. And when we are raptured, the church is raptured. Subsequent to that is a seven year period of tribulation on the earth. By the way, All these things might not be too far ahead of us. And then at the end of the tribulation period, do you know what happens? To usher in his kingdom, there is one who sits on the white horse who is the king of kings and the lord of lords, and you know his army is coming with him. You say, well, who's the army? Hey, news for you. If you're in Christ, and you're part of the church, you're in the army. Isn't that awesome? So this picture that Paul's painting, it's not a foreign picture in Scripture. We're in the Lord's army if we know him, and we're coming back on a horse. You say, that I can't ride a horse. You're gonna. You're gonna be on a horse. And Jesus Christ is going to rule, and he's going to reign. For 1,000 years, and at the end of the 1,000 years, there's going to be a rebellion, the Bible says, as the number of the sands of the seashore. Well, that's a lot of people. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to devour them. By the way, he doesn't need our help. This commander-in-chief's got it. He's going to devour them. This fire is going to burn up this earth. That people treasure so much, all of it's passing away. We're in the process of moving. It's amazing the amount of things that you can collect. That just don't matter a whole lot. Nothing wrong with having them. One of those things that I have a lot of is hats. I have a lot of hats. A lot, a lot of hats. There's hats all over that house. Those hats are passing away. You know what? Nothing wrong with having hats. Half of my hats are New York Yankee hats. I have a lot of hats. But the things of this world that man considers to be valuable and he can't do without are going to pass away. Period. So that brings us to the mind, I didn't mention this in first service, but the Lord is reminding me now of the Matthew passage, where is our treasure? Is it in spiritual things or earthly things? So the question we have to consider is, are we entangled in the affairs of this life? Are they taking us away from the main thing, which is making disciples? I have a friend who says, keep the main thing, the main thing. That's a good quote. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. That's exactly what Paul was getting across to Timothy. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And as you're made doing all that, you're going to have to endure hardship. But keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Why? A soldier, a Christian soldier, knows at the end of the day that the battle's already been won. That if I'm martyred on the field, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Why do you think these guys kept on going? Why do you think Paul wrote, for to me to live as Christ to die is gain? He didn't care. He knew, man, eternity with the Lord is where I'm going to be. I like what Tony Evans says about that. He says believers need to act like that death is a promotion, not a demotion. When I read that quote the first time, I was like, ugh. It's good stuff. So do you see the picture of the soldier? A soldier is dedicated, but not entangled. He's not distracted. He has to have a single-mindedness. I've never been in the service. But I have friends that have been in the service. And they support this. If you're going to be a soldier, you have to be dedicated, and there has to be a single-mindedness. Because when you're at war, you want somebody next to you that's what? Dedicated. With a single-mindedness. One of my grandfathers, who was in World War II, told me a story one time, me and my oldest son, about a time that he was in battle. And he was in um, this foxhole that they had had on this island. And the Japanese were on part of that island. And one night, and he, he was just a cook. Okay? But the cooks carried the guns, too. And so he's out. They had set up this place for all of the soldiers and the Marines, and they're there. And, hey, look, it didn't matter what uniform you had on. They were coming for you. And there's this foxhole that they're in, and he's got his three buddies next to him. And they all three get cut down. They were dedicated. Dedicated, and it cost them their life. Guys, you know what the Lord has called us to? Dedication. The single-mindedness. So much so that we can't quit. We can't stop. We can't become complacent. There's a video that I saw this week about the importance of staying in and not quitting. And I want you to watch the short video this morning.
1: We used to have a saying in SEAL training, take it one evolution at a time, meaning don't look six months down the road. Don't ask yourself, or don't look and say, my gosh, I've got more swims and more runs and more PTs. If you do that, that event horizon becomes a little too far and 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 I think it can be frightening if all you do is try to do the very best you can at that very moment you take it one step at a time and then six months goes by and you took it one evolution at a time and you made it it is easy to quit in SEAL training all you have to do is ring the bell three times and you're out Uh, you don't have to talk to anybody you don't have to do anything you ring the bell you take your helmet off you put it down and that's it and you find that uh, in tough times there's always kind of a way out and that's Quitting—that's just deciding you're not going to tackle this uh, problem. Uh, you're going to let the problem or the situation win. And so the one thing I'm always asked is, how do you get through SEAL training? I had a young man who was going off to SEAL training about a year ago, and he was a phenomenal athlete. I had lunch with him, and he said, "Well, you know, do I need to run more?" I said, "No, I don't think so." He said, "Do I need to swim more?" I said, "No." Nope. Uh, "Do I need to lift more?" And he, and he said, "What is the key to going through SEAL training?" I said, "It's simple." You just don't quit. little video in there.
0: Right, to have a single-mindedness day by day by day. Listen, the Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so I have to have the mindset of a runner who's going long distance, not a sprinter. I need to keep in mind that the Lord has called me to faithfulness. Not giving up. Not quitting the race. You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 15. And in that passage, the Apostle Paul is outlining for the Corinthian church the resurrection. And he's talking about the order of that. And Christ is the first fruits. The reason that we have hope is because Christ is alive. But then he begins to talk about the order of the resurrection. And how that's going to look. And so as he he does a tremendous job of writing about the resurrection and the hope that the believer has, he comes to verse 58 after saying all of these things about a resurrection and the resurrected Christ, and that's the hope that we have and the order of that resurrection and how it's going to be for us. He says this, As a result of the hope that you have, be steadfast and Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain. Guys, how many times in your life have you been doing something and thought, why am I doing this? For what purpose? What is the end of this going to bring? Hey guys, you know what's so great? The Lord has called us to make disciples. And at the end of that, there are people that you and I may not even be aware of that come to Christ. That live for Christ. I had a young lady not long ago write us a letter who was in our youth group in New York. And to see how God has worked in her life. I mean, that was a long time ago in our lives. It can be the same in every one of us. Your investment in people, in making disciples, is critical. Leave the results to the Lord. He's got that. But he wants us to be faithful, faithful disciples. And he illustrates that through the soldier. Timothy, you need to endure hardship as a soldier of Christ. William Barclay, in describing the Christian soldier, wrote a few things I wanted to give to you. Listen to this. This is how he describes the Christian soldier. He says seven things. Number one, the Christian soldier must concentrate on serving the Lord. Hey, if you're in the military, um, they're going to want you to concentrate on what you're doing, what you've been given to do. The Lord wants us to concentrate on on serving him and we do that by making disciples secondly barclay wrote the christian soldier must have the mind of obeying the commander-in-chief uh-oh yeah that whole obey thing that i don't really like that word how I many of you love that word obedience you didn't as a kid right i mean look at ephesians 6 children what Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <clears throat> Honor your father and mother. Right? Oh, yeah, but I don't like that obey thing. Who does? In our flesh, we're not going to do it. But with the help of the Spirit, we can. A soldier doesn't have the option of not obeying. He must obey the one that's over him. Can you imagine telling a person who outranked you in the military, I don't really think I want to do that. How would that go? Not real well. In fact, I was asking Dean Self after first service about that because he's a navy. he was a Navy SEAL. I said, Dean, what, what would happen if you just said, I don't want to do that? He said, they'd knock you down. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, in fact, you didn't even have the thought of not obeying. You just did what the commander said to do. Guys, that's the mindset that we need to have as Christian soldiers. Thirdly, Barclay said, the Christian soldier must be willing to sacrifice all, including and especially his own life. They're going to be in the tribulation period, people who die and sacrifice their own life for the gospel and for believing. The fourth thing Barclay says is the Christian soldier must be loyal to his commander-in-chief. There's a loyalty that's expected. We expect the soldiers that are in the army of the United States to be loyal to who? The commander in chief and to this country. We expect that. There's a loyalty that should be in place for every single believer in the Lord. We must be loyal to him. Fifth, listen to this one the Christian soldier must display courage under fire. When I was younger, I was asked to recant the doctrine of eternal security. I was 26 years old. He said, dad, we want you to recant that doctrine or you can't stay here. I said, I'll never do that, never. You're wasting your breath. In fact, you know, when I went to confront these individuals about my position, I took my Bible Because I didn't want it to be about me. I said, look, this is what God has said. I was young then. And I know the only way that I stood under fire was the Lord was working in me. There was another time when I was asked to serve on a committee when I was in New York State. And this committee of people was made up of individuals in the community, the city was about five thousand. The village was about twenty five hundred people, and they asked me to be on this committee that um, would talk about uh, safe sex education of sex to these young people. You know, how do we do that? How do we teach that? And I sat on the committee. I sat on that committee. The first meeting I remember going to, and I, I didn't say a thing. They just talked about what they were going to do and, hey, this is how we think we ought to approach it. And I'm like, that's not how we need to approach it. And um, I just sat there, and I remember going home and talking to Teresa about it. I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to be able to keep my mouth shut. The next meeting was in front of parents and students and the committee. And I don't know how many people were standing in the hallway. The place was packed. And this person said, we need to educate our children toward safe sex practices. And we need to offer them what's best. And they went on to declare what was best, as you can imagine. And I sat there for about 30 to 40 minutes, and I said, okay, time's up. And the spirit was just pounding on me. Hey, Thad, you know what you need to do courage under fire and believe me there were bullets going on in that place and i said at that man, i said i'd like to say a few things okay thad i said well number one you are saying and i was looking directly at the person who was addressing the audience i said you are saying that the best thing that we can tell these young people is to have safe sex is that the best thing I mean, I'm just, because you said best, and I want to use your language. Is that the best thing we can do? Because I think the best thing that we can do is teach these kids abstinence. That's the best thing we can do, right? That's the best thing. And I was looking at the students and at the parents who were lined up in the hallways, and I'm like, that's the best thing. Because they were concerned about disease and all that. And I'm like, Hey, let's give the kids the best thing, the best answer. And so I did. I gave them the best thing, the best answer. After it was over, I didn't have 100 people running up to me. I had one family, though. I had a father and a mother and a son who I did not know. And they said, Dad, we want our son to know the best thing thank you for presenting the best thing you see when we as soldiers of christ present the best things we're not going to have myriads of people standing around us they're going to be few do you know that in the book of acts after the resurrection of christ there were 120 in the upper room that's not very many people So the question becomes, are we willing to display courage under fire? Barclay goes on to write, the Christian soldier has a mind of endurance. And when we think of endurance, we need to think, and I said this earlier, of marathon, not sprint. And then lastly, the Christian soldier must have confidence in the commander-in-chief. Do we always have confidence in our presidents? No, we don't. We can Answer that with, no, we don't. But do you know what? We can have full confidence in our commander-in-chief, who is Jesus Christ. Well, there's a lot to being a soldier in there. Paul says he doesn't entangle himself in the affairs of everyday life. Why? so that he may please the one who enlisted him. Hey, guys, are you a soldier of Christ? Is it your desire to please the one who has enlisted you as a soldier? When I was a, a boy, we sang a song. It's an old hymn, and you probably know it by title. But I want you to listen to the words as we close this morning. It's entitled Onward Christian Soldiers, right? You remember, when I was a boy, we were like marching onward Soldiers." I'm not going to sing it, but that's what we'd do. We'd march around and we'd sing this song. And I know as a boy, I didn't understand its implications, but listen to the words of this song that was written in the 19th century. And it's still popular today. Listen to this. These are the verses, and then lastly, I'll read the chorus. Onward Christian Soldiers. Marching as to war. Guys, we're in a war. We're in a war. Every day we're in a war. The enemy is relentless. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. You see, Christ endured to the end. He's the one we look to. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe forward into battle, see his banner go. At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee. On, then, Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at the shout of praise. Brothers, lift your voices, loud your anthems raise. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. That's a pretty deep line. Do you realize, guys, we are treading where Paul treaded and where Timothy treaded and where John treaded and where Phoebe treaded. You said that who's Phoebe, Acts 16. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body we one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Onward then, you people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, laud, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages men and angels sing. And you know the chorus, onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. The cross is a picture of what? Suffering. What's Paul saying to Timothy? He's commanding him, endure hardship. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Are you a Christian soldier? A good Christian soldier? Let's pray together. Lord, um, when we come to a difficult text like this, because we have to think through its implications... We need your Spirit to help us. We have to ask the question, are we Christian soldiers? Are we willing to endure the hardship that comes with standing on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to stand on truth When someone ridicules us because we say marriage is between a man and a woman because you said it was, are we willing to stand? Are we willing to stand on the truth of your word that says every life is precious, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? Are we willing to stand as good Christian soldiers and look at the enemies in the eye and say, this is what God has said? Lord, we know as Americans that many have died on the battlefield for our freedom. As Americans. And scores of people have died as soldiers of Christ. And it is for certain, if there's one thing we've learned in this year, we do not know what is around the corner, but we do know who is around the corner. And that is you. Because you never leave us. And you never forsake us. And you have given to us your spirit. That leads us into all truth. May we be good Christian soldiers. For your honor. And for your glory. I make my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Who is the only king of kings.